Who the Wild Things Are with Ryan McGuire. You gotta listen to your body. Oh my God, maybe, you know, I could get out there. I could do this. Let's take a ride. Find your wild side. Real stories. See with your own eyes. It's so beautiful. I'm gonna have the best time out here. Yeah, I was in tears. I was like, that's the best, man. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 19 of Who the Wild Things Are. Hope everyone's having a great Wednesday and you guys are out there getting it done. Uh, Speaking of getting it done, our guest this evening is a young woman who has done absolutely that. She has been absolutely crushing it on the ultra circuit. uh, And Katie Knight is an exceptional example of taking your passion and turning it into a priority. Um, Katie's a hybrid athlete. She's been crushing it. In the ultra circuit whether it's spartan tough mutter all of those things and uh she's also a personal trainer entrepreneur and uh really just excelling in all of those different areas so it's going to be uh super exciting and uh yeah we'll get katie in here and uh we'll get rocking appreciate everybody joining hello from all australia robert I feel like maybe listening to her, I'm going to start sweating just hearing about all these miles, but I'll do my best. Here's, here's the first oh. special guest. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. How are we doing, Katie? I say hi. <laughs> How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Good. It's always interesting, like the, the live aspect of getting somebody on and like figuring out that whole process. So I'm glad we got it worked out. Yeah, me too. I pushed requests and then nothing happened for a while, but so we're good now. Yeah, it's fussy. You know, sometimes it works right away. Other times it it takes a long time. So awesome. Everything's going good. Uh, I think um, I think this is uh, maybe the second or third ultra runner I've ever had on the podcast. So I'm super interested to like pick your brain tonight and just like hear all of kind of what has made you successful in the ultra circuit. And kind of before we get to that, my like a question that keeps coming to mind is how did you get to this place? Like, how did you decide I'm going to run for multiple days on end through the mountains, desert, all that stuff? Was this like your destiny? Were you always a big runner? I guess it was my destiny, but I took a long way to get there. So no, I haven't always been a runner. I ran track in high school, never cross country because I did other sports during that season. Um, I actually started in CrossFit like five years ago. Um, That was my main focus, doing big comps local um, around Colorado. And then um, I've told the story before, but a bunch of us from the gym, a bunch of dudes were like, I'm going to run the rim to rim to rim. So that's in the Grand Canyon, uh, start the North Rim, South Rim, North Rim. Um, It's like 15 hours, 50 miles. And I was like, I'm going to do that. That sounds fun. (laughs) And then a month later, I hit the uh, 50 miler in Bryce Canyon um, as an ultra. And I was like, I like this. I like to see how far I can push my body, um, how far I can keep running. Um, and then from there, it's kind of spiraled into, I've done other trail ultras, I've done virtual ultras, and then now the 24 hour races, which seem to be my jam. Um, and it's fun. It's not fun, but it's fun. So that's kind of how I got to this point. Yeah, it's uh it's I heard this this idea it's called like type 2 fun, right? Yeah. So it's like is the type of fun where it's like in the moment this is absolutely terrible but you look back on it and you're like that was the best. Like, right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's so what happened. 
Yeah, exactly. So for the rim to rim to rim, I've, yep. I've heard of a lot of like different runners doing that. That's like pretty like nature immersive, right? Like you're pretty, you're kind of in the bush for that. Oh yeah. There's like, you have nothing around you. In fact, you can only be rescued if you're so close to one of the rims within so many miles, they send a donkey down um, on like a, a state trooper or whatever. Otherwise you have to uh, call for a helicopter and that's like 20 grand. So when you're in the pit of the canyon and I'd never seen the Grand Canyon and the first time I saw it was when the sun came up and I was at the bottom, I was on the floor and like that was just an incredible experience. But yeah, you're just out there with nothing and nobody. Um, I ran with some people in the group for a while, but otherwise it's just you. Mm. Wait, and then what, you broke off from the group? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you kind of like go your own speed. So it's like someone's going too slow, you keep going or like vice versa. Um, we were kind of going for time on that um, to see how fast we could go. We started at like 2 a.m. and I finished right before sunset, so. And that was really like your first experience with like long distance trail running. Um, I don't, the, the furthest I've ever been on like a race was a half a marathon. And then the furthest I'd gone in a training run was 20 miles. So wow. we, just, we went all in with 50. And yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah, you, you might as well just really jump into it. That's got like 10,000 feet of climbing on both sides of the canyon too. So. Wow. So wait, how much it ends up being 20,000 feet of vert? Um, or 10 total. I'd have to go look again. I just kind of like blocked that in my mind. Cause when you go up the South Rim, it's nine miles of switchbacks straight up. Like, yeah, you just have, you like look up and there's like, you know, the wall way up there and you just have to keep going <laughs> and going. So how are you like, one thing I've noticed is, so I follow like quite a few different ultra runners. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the difference between your page and the stuff that you put out versus theirs is like, yours always seems to be like lighthearted and fun. Like you're enjoying it. Everyone else is just like, embrace the suck. This is the worst sport in the world. Uh, it's just brutal. And then you're like having fun, like drinking a beer, running around, just partying, like hanging out. Right. Well, I mean, like you can't take anything too seriously. Um, otherwise it's just no fun anymore. Um, and it is like, it's painful. It sucked. Like, um, on a 50 mile race before I've had to like bite a stick because my knees hurt so bad. That was like the only way I could like embrace the pain. Um, so like, yeah, it does suck, but like, you know, it's just life. <laughs> Have you ever had a, uh, a hallucination, like overnight racing, like where you're in the dark and you're kind of trail running and you're tired and you're starting to see things? Um, so for the Spartan Ultra World Championships in Telluride, that was a lot of climbing, that was a lot of elevation. Um, and it was probably around like, 2-3 a.m. I like sat down on the trail for a second. And I was like, man, I'm really tired. And like, I think I might have like either fallen asleep for a hot second or hallucinated or something Then I was like, Oh, shit, I gotta keep going. Like, like, you can't sit down. Um, but that was probably like the only time through the night. Otherwise, I, I'm really good at having no sleep. So like, I mean, I don't really, that doesn't bother me too much. So like the, like through the night, um, isn't too bad. It's kind of fun. It's kind of like a party, right? You're just out there. Yeah. yeah, it's like a party, except, you know, you're, you're sober and in pain. But yeah, it's just like, just like, exactly. like a party. So I think uh, Ultra World Championships, I think was the first time I actually heard your name. Funny story. And maybe this wasn't you, maybe it was someone that looked like you, but I've like been connecting the dots back mm -hmm. since, uh, since I met you in person. So I was registering 
Uh, this was my first ultra ever. So I'm like nervous. I'm like, man, this is gonna be so hard. This is gonna suck. I'm like getting my information at the registration desk. And mm -hmm. then I see a girl next to me who's like going back and forth with the person like, well, can I cut my beanie and make it a crop top? Because crop tops are my jam. And I'm like, how's this girl worried about her beanie when I'm about to run through the mountains for 24 hours? Like, who is this girl? And what is she on? Like, you know, I'm gonna guess that was me because I did want, they were so long and I was like, no, I want a crop top. Like, this is how I run, like <laughs> minimal clothes. Um, so yeah, that probably was me. That's hilarious. And how did you end up, uh, how did you end up doing in Telluride? Um, so I finished second on course, but because of some penalties, I was third, like result wise. But yeah, I finished second on course. I was second the whole race. Um, it felt really good. I was like having a lot of fun. And then like I did the burpee penalty. I'm sure you heard about that. Stirred up some drama with, with, uh, with Spartan. Um, did you hear about that or no? I, I don't think I did. I know that like you would uh, accumulate your burpees and then you paid up right at the right. end of the lap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So at the end, like, and that was a really good race for me. I didn't end up doing like that many burpees. I missed a couple spears and that was it. Um, like two out of nine spears, but in my mind at like two, eight, whatever time it was, I did 30 burpees, um, find out it was 28, um, or 27. And so they, in the ultra world championships give 30 minutes for the penalty. So they add that to your time. So yeah, and then that what people are like, oh, that's too harsh, or that's you know just it, it stirred up stirred the pot like I like to do. But um, so yeah, I had like an hour and a half penalty. So like there was no way I was gonna finish second because of that time penalty. But I technically did. So yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a that's a serious penalty for Burpee. It is. I mean, I get it, and like. Again, in my mind, I was like, I did like 32 or something. So I was like, I, I'll do more. Um, but it definitely helps to just have somebody there counting your reps and you don't even have to think. Because um, at that point, your brain doesn't think very well. <laughs> yeah. And so for people listening who are like, what the hell are they talking about burpees? Yeah. All right. So there's a six mile lap that you do for 24 hours. Whoever runs the farthest wins. On that six mile lap, there are a bunch of obstacles. When you fail an obstacle, you have to do burpees at the end of your lap. So if you fail five obstacles, it's five times whatever the burpee penalty is. You got to do that every lap before you can start your next lap. So that's just a little bit of clarification there. I actually also got a penalty. Oh, uh, really? What'd you at do? World Championships. I came over that, whatever that bar, like when you're coming into town, you go over that bar and sure enough, the race coordinator is just standing there. It's like 3.30 in the morning. I'm cold, tired, wet and He's like, I need emergency blanket, whistle, other blanket. And I'm like, bro, I don't have any of that. Like, just send me to the, send me to the penalty box. And, yeah. uh, that was new because, like, when I do trail ultras, I don't have to carry specific items, right? And so, like, yeah, you had to have the whistle. The, uh, they checked my bag at, like, 5 a.m. And, like, thank goodness I had that in there. Um, that would have been a bummer. But when she asked for mine, I was like, yes, here. Here it is. Take, look, I did it right. <laughs> I didn't even know it was so like I teach wilderness skills and like my like like because of my background you think like oh this guy should be really prepared and like have like all the necessary outdoor gear I didn't it was my first ultra I didn't know that was part of the racing thing was that you had to have an emergency blanket I just figured like if you were tired you run back to like base camp like I didn't know you had to have a whistle like a whistle's gonna help me I don't know <laughs> 
guess you know if you run into like a bear or something i did run into a porcupine on the trail oh nice right after i had my like hour and a half penalty and i'm, I'm running starting up the um the first big hill and he's huge and he just comes right across the trail and i was like huh this is how i this is how i get dq'd i get like spiked by a porcupine <laughs> yeah. but we just stared at each other and then he kept going and i was like okay yeah, it was a sign, like, just to keep on going. Exactly, exactly. I was kind of stoked with my penalty, though. Um, I got to be honest, because it was in one of those, they have in Telluride at the bottom of the ski mountain, they have gondola, like, stationary gondola things that you can kind of use as, like, a little cabin. And mine was heated, and they're like, that's the penalty box. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll go sit in a heated room. <laughs> Although, does that make it worse? Because I found that, like, if I keep my pit time, so everyone, on these ultras, everyone when you run through after your like mile loop, you are in a pit and you like refuel and like get new water. Um, if you can keep that under like seven minutes, it's better. Like mm -hmm. you sit, you don't get comfortable. You just like do what you need to do and then you get back out there. Absolutely. So walk yeah. us through that a little bit for people that haven't um, ever experienced like a pit crew and an ultra. What's yeah. the, what's kind of the concern? So you finish your lap and you're coming in, what's on your mind? um water so putting new water bottles in your pack that's number one um getting whatever like you need something salt sweet um crunchy whatever i usually like chug some pickle juice use some boa spray and then like grab a snack or whatever that is like a pb and j pizza whatever you know depending on the time of the race um and then it's just like taking a hot second to just chill and then mentally preparing to go back out yeah, I found on my first ultra that I didn't know what I wanted to eat. So I bought kind of like a couple yeah. things and like some of it, I was so tired. I would bite into it and I just spit it out. Like, I can't eat that right now. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> oh, I did that all the time where like, I take like a couple bites of pizza and then random foods and just like a ton of things. So like my poor pit crew would like just have bites of like random things scattered everywhere. And I just like throw them and then start going. <laughs> it's really funny though, because you kind of become a toddler at that point. Oh. You have oh. like, you can understand like 3% of what's going on. Your mind is everywhere. And you're just like little bit of cookie, little bit of pizza, everything yeah. outside of my way. Exactly. Exactly. That's how you got to do it though. Yeah, I feel like I was very not scientific about it. But I'm sure there is like, as you get to a higher level, like where you're at, like, maybe there's more thought that goes into the nutrition. Well, there's definitely you want to hit a certain amount of calories per hour. Um, that's important. And then just like, it, it kind of depends on the person too, because I'll start off with like, really like, not a lot of food like gels and like energy and things like that. And as we progress, we get more into the solid foods. And then like, as your body needs it, you know, it's oatmeal, it's pizza, it's like anything that you're able to digest. So there is some science behind it. But like, at the end of the day, it's just like your body and you knowing what you can do, um, or what you shouldn't have. So yeah. What are what are the things that you should avoid eating? Um, I mean, anything that's new to you. So like, if you've never like done a training run and had it, like don't don't do that. Like I tried, um, I think it was scratch. And I was like, oh, well, let's not do that. Cause I'd never really trained with it. Um, and like, same with like tailwind for some reason they upset my stomach. So it's like, don't try new foods. Um, mm -hmm. And then things that are hard to digest as well. So like lots of peanut butter, lots of like protein really isn't gonna help you. Um, 
I stick more with like sugar and carbs and water, which is not my normal diet. So when my body gets that, it's kind of excited. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The simple carbohydrates that just turn into like that quick energy. Right. What do you go with? Uh, I mean, so like when I'm in the bush, I have like high carb stuff that kind of tastes like sawdust, like cornmeal, uh, acorn flour, you know, like weird stuff like that, jerky. But then if I'm like racing, like when I did the ultra world championship, I did, I liked Snickers a lot. Oh, yeah, I definitely have Snickers. Yep. Dude, Snickers are so easy to eat. And they're like, I don't know, they felt it felt like real food. I was like, for my whole life, I've thought like the Snickers marketing thing was bogus, like that it's actually going to fill you up. And then I ultra and I'm like, no, Snickers are great. Like, oh. uh, Snickers and Uncrustables. Those are like my two favorites. If I have those, I can last forever. I wish we had this conversation. I wish I knew about Uncrustables. I did. Uh, Phenomenal. Because you can also like anything that you can take and start running with. So you're not sitting there eating is better too. So like on the go, applesauce is really good, like baby food type things. Those are great. Um, yeah, and then pickles, pickle juice shots that like, I would take that like almost once a lap, um, just like for cramping and stuff. Yeah, I'm huge in the pickle juice camp, like even in just like regular day life. Oh, I'm really? Big, yeah, I'm a big fan of the pickle juice because, but and there are some electrolyte combinations where you get it, but I feel like for me, uh, spending a lot of hours in the sun running or, you know, picking up rocks, you need like a crazy dose of sodium. Oh, and yeah. I feel like a lot of the electrolyte drinks that I've seen don't really have that much sodium. Like they're like electrolytes, but they're not really that much sodium. So sodium super important because you don't realize how much you're losing, especially for 24 hour races or any kind of ultra, like your body's going through so much sodium. Um, I used to do salt tabs all the time. And then mm -hmm. Now I start, I, I don't know if you see me post about BOA. Yeah. It's salt sodium spray. It's phenomenal because it's like 170 milligrams per spray. And it's super easy. So like you run through transition, you, you spray it or you have it in your pack. And it does the same thing as like pickle juice or salt pads, but it's just like easy. It also is, uh, it digests in the mouth. So it's mucocostal, I think is the word. Um, so you don't have to, if people have like GI issues with like, lots of sodium or like sodium drinks. Um, it's not going to give you GI issues. So it's pretty dope. I just found out, like I started using it. I use it for world's toughest and it makes a huge difference. Oh yeah. And I want to get to the world's toughest thing, but my first question, yeah. is, how does the boa taste? Delicious. And it's like a flavor. It's like a berry blast. I, I could be saying that wrong, but um, it, it tastes really good. It's like, kind of like, it like kind of, it's very strong, but like, it's good. It's not like gross tasting at all. So. Awesome. Yeah. So real quick on the, on the world's toughest. So I've never done a tough mutter, so I may sound like a complete noob here, but if I heard correctly, you did your first one ever and it was <laughs> the world's toughest mutter, which is the 24 hour version and you won the world championship. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'd never done one. And so all I could do beforehand was look at, youtube videos of obstacles and then just like when i got to the station as like obviously i got better at as, as the night went on um doing them like you know so many laps but yeah it was a little tricky like i'd be like okay so what do i do is like am i am i doing this right can i touch this can i do this um but yeah first tough mutter ever um super fun cool experience like the community is so awesome that would be my takeaway they're just amazing people um 
from like the pit crew to on course and everything. So it was cool. You should do one. You would like it. It's like Spartan, obviously, um, just a little different. And there's water. There's a lot more water. Mm. That was hard. Um, so for one, uh, I guess my first question would be, what's the different, like in terms of like obstacle difficulty, is one, is Spartan or Tough Mudder like harder? Is like, is one of them known to be harder? Um, they have similar obstacles. So there's always like a multi-rig. Um, they're just different, but I would say they're pretty one-to-one. -one. Um, mm. Some like simple ones and then some more difficult ones, some strength based. there's sandbags, there's, you know, climbing over walls. Um, but yeah, the, and I, in, in Spartan, there is water obstacles sometimes, but for Tough Mudder, that's a big one. And then the electricity. So being submerged fully in like freezing cold water every lap, that's a lot different. And then like the whole like electric field stuff. <laughs> That yeah, was, that, that was the one I saw, actually, that kind of made me double think was like, you have to get shocked by electricity. I'm not sure I feel about that. You they, they hurt too. like, I mean, like, you don't you can like, dodge them because it's an obstacle, right. But like, I think I got hit in the hamstring hamstring at like, 3am. And I was like, ooh, we're going down. <laughs> like, that hurt. Because uh, it just zaps you. So yeah, I've been tased in the butt cheek. And I remember that feeling. And that's kind of what I what I go back to is it feels like it's like a deep muscle thing when you get oh. hit by electricity, like it's deep in the muscle, which is really painful. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, so maybe, maybe I'll wait on them. Yeah. You, can, you can get like super like limber and like dodge them kind of like spy kids when they go in and out of like the laser beams. So it's kind of like that. So there's one where like, it's like strings across and you're supposed to weave in and out and dodge them um, unless you don't and then it hurts. But so there's a chance you won't get shocked. So I guess my biggest question about the world's toughest mutter thing is like, why did you kick everyone's ass? Like what, like what did you have on your side? Like you came in there first time and you dominated. How does that happen? Um, so I would say like um, what's different about me compared to other ultra runners is my strength. So like strength endurance, sorry. Um, um, strength endurance is a big thing for me. And a lot of people just train straight endurance. Um, but you really do have to have the strength to go through the obstacles and then keep moving. So um, I mean, I had just finished the Spartan 24 hour race like three weeks prior. And so like that was kind of helpful going into that a little bit of a motivator. Um, and yeah, I would just say like the strength aspect um, really plays in my favor, I think. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. And there's like certainly a balance between the two, but it just seems like there's probably people that have been doing this for a really long time and they see you come out there your first time and you absolutely destroy them. It's gotta be like, what's going on? Maybe, yeah, I don't know. Um, it was it was fun. And um, this year, I, I'm trying not to think about them because it's not until the end of the year um, where I have to suffer again. But yeah, we'll do them back to back again this year. Um, one's in September and one's in November. Yeah, I I looked at the thing. I'll be teaching courses most of the summer, so I don't know if I'll make it. But I will be possibly available for World Stuff as Mutter. So it's ah. the well, big maybe. You could do. Um, Tahoe will be a really fun venue for the Spartan Ultra World Championship because that's where I ran my first Spartan race ever. And that was a hard course, but it's really cool. Yeah, I ran the North American Championship there. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, I got, uh, I think, third. It was, it was brutal. That was the first time I had done a Spartan in a long time. I was pretty out of shape. 
but I tried my little heart out. Um, it, it's a hard course. That's just like a that's straight climbing. You climb, I don't know, 2K, something like one, something like that. Um, and then the descent is really painful too. So we'll be doing that for 24 hours. So I think it sounds like fun. You should come. <laughs> yeah, what I remember from the Tahoe Mountain was like there's this long, slow climb right off the jump. And I think it's like 2000. And after that, like I started, I'm a downhill runner. So my uphill is not that good. I'm fast downhill. It's just how I was made. And we got downhill and I was in a great spot. I was like yelping and feeling great. And then I saw the second hill, which I didn't know existed. And it's literally so steep that you have to put your hands on the ground in some spots. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like an hour and a half of climbing up a mountain. And it was absolutely miserable. Was that for the ultra? No, I did the beast. The beast, okay. Because they had the ultra runners run to the very top of the mountain. So we got a third hill and then a, um, I think it was a sled drag at the top. So <laughs> like, I, you got to dodge that. <laughs> I remember distinctly like coming uh, down the first hill and seeing the ultra runners. I don't know if it was one loop or two loops, but a lot of them were sitting down and they looked absolutely demoralized like i think a couple of them didn't finish because they're like crying they're all cramping up and i just felt terrible and i at that moment this is before i had ever done an ultra i was like i will never do an ultra ever look at you you did one <laughs> and then i did one like a couple weeks later but yeah it was, it was a two lap one so you had to do that the beast course twice um with an extra because they always throw in an ultra loop um and they do something mean always um, like in slow, they made us climb this ridiculous hill with like a very heavy sandbag and then come down like a crevice in the earth. And it was just like, it was brutal. So they always like to throw something in. And I always like when I run by like one of the like directors, I'm like, that was mean. <laughs> yeah, it does feel personal sometimes. For slow, let, let's let's dive into that. So slow for people listening. Um, it's San Luis Obispo. It's a beautiful town in California. And it was also uh, a recent place that hosted a Spartan event, a uh, yep. very popular Spartan event. And there was a lot of good talent there. And again, you came out and you dominated and won the ultra. How did that uh, race play out? Um, so it, I felt really good. Um, I've been working on a lot of speed work uh, lately in my training I'm used to a lot of climbing and that's kind of where I thrive is like um, like uphill power hiking and climbing and this was just all flat like I don't even know how much you know vertical gain there was but it was just a very flat fast course all the way through um, and the first lap was like really long they put it at like 17 18 miles which was like kind of brutal um, but overall like the obstacles went well and then I was able to keep a pretty quick speed because the thing was so flat so um i would rather get back to the mountains but it was it was a fun course cool venue i've never been to san luis obispo and it was beautiful so i'll take it <laughs> yeah it is a gorgeous gorgeous area of the country um so for all of this how important is living in the mountains and having that ability and that access in your backyard um I wouldn't want to live without it. Uh, it's phenomenal, whether it's mountain biking um, and climbing a lot or just, you know, obviously climbing on, on, on foot. 
I think it makes a big difference. You can do it if you live somewhere flat with like treadmills and, you know, there's always big hills in every part of the country, but having the mountains and training at elevation, like I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, it's also my happy place. So I just love the mountains. I'm sure you do too. You, you're in the wilderness all the time. So um, yeah, I, I like it. Yeah. The altitude piece is a big one because um, you know, you can go one way, you can go to the coast in San Luis Obispo, but for the people from San Luis Obispo to come here or to come to Tahoe, it's not, it's not an even playing field at all. Well, I was living in California up until Telluride. And so that was a little like, uh oh, <laughs> and you could definitely feel the altitude, um, especially by the end of the race and it was cold. So like, you know, your lungs are kind of wheezing by the end of it, but uh, we made it through. <laughs> yeah. I had just come back to Colorado um, before Telluride kind of same thing, but I remember going up, it was probably only like nine o'clock. So we'd been racing for like 12 hours. And I remember seeing the ambulance picking somebody up off that first hill. And I was like, oh shit, this is real. You <laughs> oh, can it, die. Well, like, you can get sickness. You can get a lot of things that happen um, and where you just like, you can't breathe anymore. And that, I think that is what happened. 12 hours is also usually the cutoff from what I've been told and what I've felt is like, that's like kind of the make it or break it. Um, so like if you get to midnight, if you can get past midnight, like you're pretty good, um, all the things considering, but it's usually that time frame that, uh, you got to get to. Yeah. I definitely want to try another ultra. Cause I feel like I definitely left some, left some gusto out there. Like felt like I could have gone further and maybe that's just how 24 hour races feel. Well, actually, I guess when you run <laughs> as far as you do, it probably feels like you did about all of it. Yeah, I think Tough Mudder, I, I think that was all I had in me. Like, if I would have had time, it would have been nice to set the like the record for the most miles. Um, I just ran out of time. Um, same thing for Spartan, too, is like you have a time cut off. You have to start your last lap by a certain time. And for Spartan, it's real strict because you get disqualified. Like, nothing counts. Where I think Tough Mudder, you just like, you make it back in and it doesn't count. So I, I played it a little bit cautious. I probably had time for another lap in Telluride, but... We just weren't gonna, weren't gonna go there and risk getting DQ'd. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Uh, I think it was Mark Adette who won. Yeah, the, uh, he had like came in at like, um, you know, eight o'clock or whatever, and had like two hours, and he went on another lap, like six more miles after running for a full day. And I'm like, dude, what if you, like, I, I don't even know. It's it's something. It's it's a dangerous game. It's a, it's a big risk to play. Um, but yeah, he did it. And those, those laps by the end, we're taking people two, two and a half hours. And that's why I was like, mm, we're not going to make it back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because like for people listening that have never done the Spartan, you might not realize it. Yeah. You got to run six miles. But part of that is like in the middle of the six miles, you have to grab a 50 pound bucket, walk down the mountain, walk back up and then continue running. That's just one obstacle. And there's a variety of things like that. And the train of climbing 2000 feet each, each lap. So yeah. yeah, and frozen Olympus in the middle of the night where everyone was falling off. That was. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> so for your ultra runs, like the trail runs, um, do you train in a similar manner for like Spartan and your hybrid races as you do for like long 50, 100 mile trail runs? Oh, that's a good question. So 
like right now I have high rocks and go ruck games coming up. Um, not a lot of ultras. So we'll do more speed work. We'll do more gym sessions, more strength, strength, endurance. And then as like the season goes and we'll hit more ultras on trail. And then also the 24 hours, it will be more time on the trail, more time on foot, on the mountain bike, um, and less time in the gym. So like it kind of changes depending on what races are coming up. Right on. For those longer, just like, strict trail races do you ever use trekking poles or is it all just straight up on foot um so i've used trekking poles for a couple like fkt attempts um with there's a lot of climbing i don't know if you know about the backbone trail out in california so i use them for like the first half of that um and on some ultras i know you can i haven't really um for any trail ultras but they would be amazing to use <laughs> so so knock knock that acronym apart for people fkt like own time um it's on like strava it's like a segment of some trail somewhere in the world there's tons there's thousands of them um and you try to go for like the fastest you can do it supported so you have like a crew who's like giving you fuel throughout the whole you know run however long it is and then you can do unsupported so i did supported and it starts in the santa monica mountains and it goes to the ocean so it's 67 miles, like a ridiculous amount of vert. And I missed it by like an hour, which was a bummer. But I also went without water for like two 12-mile stretches. I don't recommend that. Um, and it was like a very hot day. So, yeah, we missed it. I'll go try it again someday because um, I want that one. That's a cool it's a cool course. I feel like at this point, like you've got quite a few more notches in your belt. So <laughs> I have no doubt that you'll knock it down. Yeah, I hope so. We'll be a little bit more prepared with, with fueling and water because that can make or break you. Absolutely, water especially. Oh, yeah. So what kind of advice would you give? Like, imagine I'm, I've never really gotten into running. What's kind of the, the one piece of advice you would give to people that are trying to get into endurance or running? Um, that's a good question. I have a lot of clients who, because I have online personal training, and I have clients who want to get more into the endurance aspect of it. Um, and my, like, it's pretty basic, but it's just like, get out there and run. And don't run for miles, run for time. So, like, if all you can do is a 10-minute run, great, go do 10 minutes. Next day, you know, or the next training block, do 20 minutes. Then do 30 and just keep building that. And over time, like, You'll feel better, it will get easier, but like, you just have to start. And if it's starting with five minutes, great. You know, or like I say a lot for a lot of my clients, like run for 10 minutes, walk for five, you know, run for 15, walk for three. So like, you just keep building that base. Um, mm -hmm. And that's how you get into longer endurance ultras, um, you build that. And what kind of like differences, like, or preferences do you have between running like on the road and running in the mountains or on trail? I despise the road. <laughs> uh, I, if I could, I would only be on trail all the time. Um, but for speed work, I do a lot of it at the track. Um, so that's helpful or like long flat roads if, if like I have to, but um, otherwise it's the track and mostly trail. Yeah. We, we see eye to eye on that for me. Like, I had such a history of running injuries and every runner has got running injuries, obviously. Yep. But for me, it's like anytime I can get on a trail, it gives me the ability to use different muscles, every different segment or different step, you know, jump over a tree, go downhill, go uphill. And that versatility, it sounds like it's harder, but me like 
I feel like it's actually spreading the load out rather than just the same hit on a road over and over for hours. That sounds a lot harder to me. Like, Oh yeah. But running on the road to me is just a lot of pounding. It hurts my joints. Like I'll definitely feel the difference if I do like a long run on the road compared to the trail. Um, so yeah, I'll stick to the trail all day and I think I get injured less. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's something to that. Like yeah. the, the it's funny like you'll see people that are marathon runners and they'll be like a 50 mile trail race that sounds like preposterous and i'm like well a marathon on the road sounds way harder to me i've never done i've actually never ran a marathon so i don't know and i don't really have a desire to unless it's a trail marathon <laughs> what part of that like how much of that do you think is also like nature connection do you think is that part of your secret sauce that you just like being in the mountains I would say so like you know in Telluride it's it's pitch black at some point and like Tahoe or whatever course it's usually in the mountains and it's like to me like a lot of people it's kind of scary like it's you you know you have nothing and nobody's usually around you but I love to be out there in the middle of nowhere um so it probably is a secret sauce is that like I feel like I thrive in that environment so yeah yeah that's definitely something especially the dark darkness part something that you have to be ready for if you've never run in the woods alone in the dark it is an interesting experience your mind goes to weird places my uh my uh friend she pickered me for telluride and she had like one of like the most ridiculous headlamps and it was like a spotlight like it was phenomenal i mean it's it's weird running with a, with a headlamp um it just does funny things to your eyes and everything but like I had like a crew at one point like running with me because my headlamp was so great. Like they could all see. And they're like, like somebody ran out of their light um, and, and he was like, hey, can I run with you? I was like, yeah, join, join, join the pack. <laughs> right on. That's so yeah. awesome. Yeah, I've actually, I've done both. I've also done um, no headlamp running. I don't know if you've ever tried that. So <laughs> the way the rods and cones in your eyes work, as long as you don't look at any artificial light or the moon on a bright bright night our eyes actually adjust and you get sort of night vision um so your eyes will adapt and you're able to make out any shapes that you would need to hike or running is still a little sketchy but if you're doing like slow miles and you're not like going really crazy terrain you can see pretty well and that's also like kind of a interesting immersive experience to kind of just use your eyes i think i'd be too worried i'd sprain my ankle um and there's definitely parts of like courses where it's like I go slower because I'm like, if I'm hurt, I can't keep running. So like, so that makes sense if you're like running slower, you know, easy miles, but man, that'd still be pretty sketchy with like all the roots and rocks. I, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's a thing for racing, you know, for yeah. racing the big <laughs> LED, if you can wear a headlight on your head, you wear it, you know? Yep, exactly. <laughs> you might look a little goofy, but um, you, you know, part of it could be, maybe we just start a race where you can have a dog and then the dog can help guide you. Doug, Doug would love to. He might get tired, but he'd do it. <laughs> How far does Doug uh, run with you when you guys go out? Um, when he was a puppy, he's three now, which isn't that old, but he's like an old man. Um, when he was a puppy up until like, you know, year and a half, he used to run six plus miles every other day. And now he's like at three every like two or three days. Um, he likes his walks <laughs> and his, <laughs> his fetch, but um, he still does great. Um, and it tires him out too. So he's actually one of the best pit crew members I've ever had. He was in San Luis Obispo 
and he was great to see during the race in the in the pit area um get some support so it was fun <laughs> yeah it's always funny we had a we had a, a gentleman and his son running the ultra next to us uh, in Tahoe, no, in um, Telluride. And they had all their food laid out. They were getting everything organized. And sure enough, this chocolate lab comes over and just smashes like all of this guy's food before the race. He was furious. Like, whose dog is this? It was the, it, I mean, it was funny. It wasn't, but it was also kind of right. I mean, that's a big bummer, but that's, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it was it was one of those things where I was like, I'm kind of laughing when I shouldn't be. <laughs> I'm sure eventually they laughed about it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, I remember seeing that guy out on the course and and uh, I remember making a joke to him and he laughed later about it. He thought it was he thought it was funny. So that's, that's probably one of the best parts is like you run with different people throughout the entire race. Um, and I've made some like pretty deep friendships doing that and then like I saw them in Telluride and then they were at Tough Mudder and you know you'd run by them just like it's it's a cool community um especially everybody's kind of suffering together so I've, I've made some uh, some good friends during races yeah it's a weird like human thing where it's like we get so close to each other when we're all in agonizing pain together it's a common Not... connection common bond yeah. yeah, it's a weird, like, I don't know, evolutionary, you know, response to misery, I guess. Misery loves company, right? That's, that's, that's what they say. So I, I guess one question I have would be on days where you feel miserable, days like, like I don't want to train, I don't want to, you know, get up and run 10 miles. What, um, what is your secret? How do you how do you get out of bed and how do you crush like whatever training that you had set out when you don't feel like it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you kind of have to like picture the end result, like why you're doing it. Because um, there's definitely days like that where it's like, I don't want to work out today. I don't want to train. Um, and some days you listen to your body and you just you don't you take, you know, whether that's a mental health day or, you know, let your body rest and recover. Um, that's important to listen to because if like the training's not even going to be worth it. Like you're not going to even like go mm -hmm. as far as you can. Sometimes it's not worth it, but usually I, I'll still convince myself to like be motivated and go. Um, and that's usually like picturing the end result, um, the next race or whatever that it's, it's, this is why I'm doing this. So. Yeah. I think, um, it's an interesting thing because you certainly have to listen to your body and that takes practice. But sometimes my body tells me that I should eat an entire gallon of ice cream. So I have like this <laughs> back and forth where it's like, am I, is my body actually telling me the right thing? Right. <laughs> so. Yep. Um, and rest, I think rest day is really important. I used to not take one. And then I really got into the routine of every Sunday, no matter what is rest day. And you can still walk and do yoga and stuff. But like just giving your body and mind like a, a break is really smart. And then you can hit it hard come Monday. But I think everybody should have a rest day or two if you need, depending on what your training is. So yeah, it helps. Yeah. And you kind of, I've seen you do a bunch of different cross training too, which in some ways it's uh it's a bit of a rest day for certain parts of your body that are usually higher impact right right so like if i'm going to the gym and i'm doing like upper body or something like my legs get a break my knees my feet my ankles so it is helpful to kind of switch um 
And yeah, I do. Yeah, I do a ton of like hybrid training. So gym days, run days, bike days, mostly two a days. Um, some days are just one workout. So, how do you structure the two a days? Is it like weights and then running? Um, just depends. But um, usually it's like a bike or a long run in the mornings. I try to put those kind of endurance pieces then, and then the gym in the afternoon. Mm. Uh, but they can switch depending on life and schedule. But yeah. And then do you apply kind of the same training that you do for yourself to all the personal training and clients that you have in your own business? Um, so it just, it just, it depends. So I have clients that are in a wide spectrum of like goals, um, mm. whether getting fit again after having a baby, whether that's wanting to run an ultra to win tough mud or whatever. Um, so it is structured different, but I do always make them strength train and then I add an endurance pieces because I think that's kind of a secret secret sauce um, that helps people feel better, look fit, you know, whatever their goals are. So, yeah, there's definitely um, like everyone wants to look at naked, but then there's also like, what's the outline goal? Is it, you know, to run 50 miles or is it to impress somebody? Is it, um, yeah, to get back where you were before maybe a, a pregnancy or something like that right yeah i mean i have one client she shout out rebecca she's watching she just pr'd her back squat by 25 pounds so it's like phenomenal yeah um and for her it's her goals are to like you know get fit and so that's what we're gonna have her do um but she's still gonna run she's still gonna bike she's still gonna lift weights so hell yeah rebecca. like what extent are that we gonna do that you know yeah good for you that's awesome yeah. There's nothing better than seeing someone like you've been working with achieve those kind of goals. Oh, yeah. Very rewarding. It's super cool. Very proud of her. Um, but she also puts in a lot of hard work. And I think at the end of the day, if you do that, you're going to see results. Sure. Yeah. How long have you been doing the uh, the personal training? Um, so I've been, I started as a CrossFit coach. And then I've worked in like big tech companies doing classes and personal training for like six plus years um but doing my own like nighttime training that's only been since like late fall maybe like december um and so just building those clients up um uh have a lot of great people on the team and then i'm going to slowly build out some programs so some like body shred like aesthetically pleasing type programs and then like an ultra beast program where it's like mostly what i do um, if for people who want to race, do ultras, do Spartans, Tough Mudders, and, you know, whatever the race is. So we're going to bring those out, launch an app. So it'll be fun. Got a new for logo, thing, get some apparel, get some gear for my team. So, yeah. Wow, exciting. that's exciting. Yeah. Lots of things moving and shaking. One, uh, one question I have for you would be when you are deciding what workouts to do are you training or making your training plan like months in advance and laying all this out or are you kind of treating it day by day week by week so i when i was i trained myself up for spartan and tough mudder um and i that was kind of me doing what i think i needed to do per week or per day how my body felt what i needed to work on um and now i have a coach um his name's dennis and he's phenomenal so we go off what I need to work on for like these hybrid events coming up, like high rocks and go rep games um, and throw in, you know, day by day what to do. That's interesting. <laughs> I always have done my own programming, but I've always imagined like there might be 
some sort of benefit to having somebody else instilling that workout because it kind of it gives you less of a way out it doesn't allow you to like program out of things that you don't want to do right yeah that's essentially why i did it is because like kind of to take my mind out of like what i need to do and i know someone's gonna like push me to work on you know speed work and in you know 400 meter intervals and a thousand meter intervals and a mile intervals like those are miserable i wouldn't program for like to do that but my coach does and then i do them so it's it's cool so i would give that as a piece of advice too is find a coach and find someone who believes in you um it's gonna push you and that's what dennis does so right on that's awesome so um i've also seen that you've kind of moved into uh like the fitness modeling space how did that whole thing come about and you know what's that lifestyle like compared to being like a rugged racer so i actually uh will amina i worked for and like started with their agency in in colorado why like 2017 or so um and that's a whole different kind of game because they care more about like aesthetics um, and like not necessarily people who are actually fit. Like, you know, a lot, I've been told a lot of times I have too much muscle um, to do like any kind of like shoots or like, you know, whatever. So I, I went away from them and I, right now I work for naturally fit um, and they're really big. Um, they're really big on like people who are actually fit and then can model instead of vice versa. People who like, aren't and just pretend to be for like you know shoots and products or whatever so it's a different space because with training and racing you don't really care about what you look like it's more performance based um and like for fitness modeling you have to so it's kind of like a um both worlds that you have to navigate but they do a really good job about finding me gigs that like the company believes in strong fit women, uh, which is really cool. And that's why I like wanted to work with them. Awesome. Yeah, I, I feel like the the pendulum has kind of swung. It used to be really cool. Like, I don't know, when I was growing up, it wasn't as popular for models to have like, or at least female models to have like really strong defined physique. And now I feel like it's becoming a lot more popularized and you see like really fit women now becoming models. Thank goodness, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, it's good. I love promoting, like, muscles and, you know, being healthy and fit. Um, yeah, so it's cool. And then it seems like uh, one of the other ways you've kind of been spreading your brand is through different brand deals with, like, Boa, you mentioned. I know you've been partnering with them. Uh, how does that selection process work? How do you decide what kind of brands you want to work with? Um, so they'll reach out, um, to me and like, I'll try their product, um, whatever that is, clothes, food, you know, supplements. And then if I like it or like, I see a difference and then it works like Boa, like I, it's something I do use all the time. Then I'll like, you know, we'll strike up a conversation and, and a deal. Um, like I'm going to start working with RP strengths and they are like uh, a nutrition app. Um, that help you, you know, track your progress, your macros and everything for those of you who don't know. And like, I believe in them and what they do. So I think it's important to up your game, your performance. So like, I'll work with like companies like that. But yeah, I have to definitely believe in them. Because um, there's a lot of companies out there, a lot of products. Um, and I want to promote things that like actually will help. I like I would give to my clients, right? Like I would tell them, yeah, go use RP strength. Um, and let's get your nutrition game on point. So yeah.
Right on. I, that's a good segue. So there's a lot of uh, convoluted and uh, differing opinions on in terms of like nutrition, whether it's nutrition based for racers or just general people who want to stay healthy. Uh, what's your philosophy right now on like daily nutrition? Um, so I, I try to hit my macros each day. So protein, fat, carbs. Um, I believe in like more of a protein heavy diet, um, which is what I mostly stick with. Um, everybody's different. Um, I just got my blood tested for inside tracker. I do know what that is. It's like, uh, they like basically test your blood for all the biomarkers to see if you're deficient in any area like iron or vitamin C, and then you can kind of optimize your health, um, which helps your performance. Um, so that'll be interesting to get those results back. I could just be like way down here and everything. We never know. So, um, but I think, I think it's important for everybody to like find what works for them, what diet works for them, what foods do, what, you know, what bothers them. So it's kind of individualized. That's why like things like RP strength, it, it, they kind of like individualize your, your program or your macros. Um, and depending on your goals too, right? Like there's bodybuilders who are cutting and bulking, you know, for performance, you're going to have to eat a lot of calories. Like for me, like 3000 plus to keep up with like the runs and the bikes. Um, otherwise all that work you're putting in doesn't do anything. Um, which is what my coach likes to tell me all the time. So, <laughs> so are, are you tracking all of you just like you have meal, you have chicken and rice, you put that in an app and then it kind of spits you out like your daily average or your daily total. Yeah. So like my fitness pal works great too, is where you put in the food you eat, how many ounces. I mean, you can get real that they can do like down to the grams and get a food scale. Um, for me, I've kind of known for years what foods have what in them. So it makes it a little easier um, just from experience. But yeah, you put in all of that information and then it shows you like, you know, how many carbs do you have left to hit? How many grams of fat do you need to hit um, for like your optimal, you know, whatever your goal is, if it's to maintain, if it's to cut bulk, whatever. Yeah, I definitely should try that at some point. It's just one, I hate being on my phone. Yeah. Two, um, I don't feel like I would actually stick to it day in and out because like, what if I, you know, I have five Greek yogurts. Am I going to let my fitness pal know that or do I keep that as a secret? It's it's tricky. That It is hard for people and it's kind of a mental game too. Um, but if you do stick with it, it does make a difference. Cause I used to be like that and, and, you know, I'm like, I know what everything has in it. Like I get it. I don't need to do that. But, um, to really like track and be like, yeah, I had five yogurts. We're just going to put that in there and that's okay. Um, if you can get past that mental block, um, it works, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> I, maybe, maybe I'll give it four cinnamon rolls today. Probably not, but <laughs> I, yeah, I definitely have that complex where I'm like, oh, I know what the food I eat has in it. It's mostly, I mostly eat plants and animals. That's pretty much my diet. Right. But like, it's all generally good for me. Yeah. I mean, and like, unless you're like, really like have a goal in mind where like you want to put on, you know, 10 pounds of muscle mass or like whatever, it's not necessary. Like for you, like if you don't really have a goal for like, you know, whatever, it's like, well, you don't really need to do that as long as you you're eating healthy, you know, your purport, your portion size is great. So yeah, it's not everybody doesn't have to do it. That's for sure. So for uh, clients, I'm assuming it's probably one of those things that you recommend, uh, yeah. especially if they have like a defined goal, like you really want to hit these macros every day. Right, exactly.
exactly. And I'm, I'm not a licensed dietitian. So like, I can't do more than that anyways, um, is to kind of help the guide them to, you know, my fitness pal or using something to track. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So for the other side of all this, which is like the recovery side, um, what's your like go to recovery day activity? Um, I love to stretch and then I love ice baths. And I think you do too, right? I, I like cold water occasionally. Yeah. Um, like there's a lot of fun creeks here in Colorado. I've been in um, like ice plunges. I think that really does wonders, especially, especially when like I've been running a lot. So like icing my feet and my knees. Um, and then I love to stretch. I love yin yoga. That's a good one. Um, yeah, that's probably my go-tos. What was that yoga yin? Yin yoga. It's kind of, it's also called restorative. Um, it's like the relaxing one where you lay in poses for like, you know, two to three minutes at a time. Um, it, but it like, when I was doing that, like three times a week, it makes a huge difference. Now I'm kind of lazy. <laughs> yeah, I, li I like the slow paced chill stretching yoga for sure. Yeah, I like uh, that. And I, yeah, I definitely, that's one of my favorite things about Colorado in general. Well, really the West, Idaho, uh, Arizona, Utah, the access to cold water creeks um yeah just being there whether it's on a hot day or even like if you did a big gym sesh during the winter having the ability to get in some freezing cold water is a really big one but uh yeah idaho has like some epic epic trail running that you can like finish or start with um hot springs like at the trailhead yeah. so. colorado has some too like that um which then there's like, there's hut trips. I don't know if you've ever heard or seen those. I've heard of skiing hut trips. Is that? Yeah, there's skiing ones. And then in the summer, you can mountain bike or hike to each hut throughout Colorado. There's different trails, but that's, it's pretty fun. Yeah, that sounds like it would be right up my alley. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Just like a big day of running followed by like a good warm meal. Yep, yep. And like a cozy little hut for sure. Absolutely. With some good friends and maybe a beer or two. Yeah. <laughs> Can't forget that. Can't forget that. Well, Katie, I've uh, had a great time talking to you. Uh, for people that are interested in learning more about what you do and what you offer, uh, just let them know kind of where to find you. Yeah. Um, so you can go to my Instagram, k80 underscore night. And then the link in my bio is a form to fill out for if you're interested in personal training. And then from there, I'll get in touch with you uh, via email. And then we'll go back and forth and, and uh, get you started on your fitness journey. Mm -hmm. Right on, Katie. Well, thank you so much. And best of luck on all your races. Uh, hopefully see you around. And uh, yeah. thanks for your time. Both local. So <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks for joining.